Good evening. Our top story, a terror attack again in India, just a few months after blast in Hyderabad. This time an improved explosive device exploded on a, an ID instead uh, exploded on a motorcycle outside Bangalore's BGP headquarters on a day that nominations were being filed for next month's elections. A heavily guarded area and just meters away from nearby famous temples. Luckily this time unlike Hyderabad no one has been killed. 16 people have been injured most of them policemen. Part of the huge security contingent outside party offices in the run up to elections. We bring you now mobile phone footage of the aftermath of the blast just moments after it happened. CCTV cameras at the BGP headquarters have also recorded a man who left the bike at 10:15 a.m. and walked away. That's crucial footage is now being investigated. We also know that the motorcycle on which the explosives were kept was stolen. Again, similar to Hyderabad, where cycles were used, but they were stolen again. The blast happening right in the middle of a heated election campaign. Nominations being filed today, as I said. But a tweet by senior congressman Shakil Ahmed has led to outrage, where he said that if this is a terror attack, it will benefit the BGP politically on the eve of elections—the worst kind of political cynicism at a time like this. A blast just a few hundred meters from the BJP's office in Bangalore. Vehicles went up in flames as the explosives planted on a stolen motorbike. Shook not just this traditional and largely residential area, but also the ongoing election campaign. Police say CCTV footage shows a man parking the bike just 15 minutes before the blast. It was an improvised bomb, but investigators are still determining its signature and analyzing other clues. That particular motorcycle, according to investigating sleuths, is uh, is the one belongs belonging or having a Tamil Nadu registration, TN registration. Uh, the persons, the owners, are being questioned. Uh, the owner of the other scooter, as well, being questioned. Eyewitnesses uh, being questioned as well. The timing of the blast is worrying, coming just weeks before the elections in Karnataka. This was a part of the city that was already under high security. Given the upcoming elections, the location of the BJP office, and the ongoing tensions over ticket distribution outside party offices. The KC General Hospital in Malaysia is where the injured have been brought. After that blast outside the BJP office in Malaysia, and most of the injured were police personnel. They were actually on duty outside the BJP office. That is, Belaga, when the car, when the woman is carrying the body, that is, in that case, when the one sala burstage, that is, the bank can't come out. Bank can't come out. Second, when the second, second, that is, more than sala burstage. Burstage, that is, that is, our, our car, that is, effect, that car, that is, piece, piece, that is, police car. The BJP and the state claimed it was a terror attack. Their office, buzzing with pre-election activity, was the deliberate target. Yeah, 100% in front of BJP office because every day thousands of people, uh, BJP people, standing here, and uh, every minute uh, BJP leaders are uh, uh, pass through this uh, road only. So the, I think uh, there is no doubt. As investigator, we will believe uh, we will not believe anything at the outset. We will uh, investigate. All the angles, but within hours, politics over terror began. In a tweet seen by many as insensitive, Congress leader Shakil Ahmed said, "If the blast in the BJP's office in Bangalore is a terror attack, it will certainly help the BJP politically on the eve of election." Ahmed's comment sparked a political storm, with the BJP slamming what they alleged was the Congress's vote bank politics. Congress, hardam vote bank ki. सियासत करती है, उसको हर चीज में वोट तलाशती रहती है। The Congress, finding itself on the back foot, rushed to defuse the situation. आतंकवाद को हम उसी दृष्टि से देखते हैं, ये चिंता की बात है, दुख की बात है। Bangalore has had brushes with terror in the past. A series of low-intensity bomb blasts claimed one woman's life in July 2008. And a terrorist attack in the Indian Institute of Science in December 2005 left one man dead. This Malaysian blast fortunately did not result in any deaths, but it is a serious cause for concern just ahead of elections in the state. With Radhika Ayer, Maya Sharma in Bangalore for NDTV. And of course, what happened in Bangalore is a reminder of the many unsolved terror attacks, which had much more serious consequences. Hyderabad, just a few months ago, 16 people died in that. No breakthrough yet. Radhika Ayer joins us now with this report from the site with 
certain eyewitnesses and who described what they saw. The Herculean task is still on several hours after the low intensity blast that took place in the heart of Bangalore. This is Temple Road, 13th Cross, Maleshwaram, uh, which of course is West Bangalore, considered to be a very crowded yet peaceful commercial as well as more importantly residential area. You see the burnt vehicles. This is where a motorcycle uh, was parked along with the Maruti Omni van, the Wagonar that, that you see right here. Even at this hour in the night, uh, the process or the exercise of collecting evidence is still on. The NIA team is being assisted by the uh, civil defense team of the state police. Uh, motorcycle engine, motors, nuts, bolts, glass pieces which were strewn, iron pieces, just about uh, any material or article that may lead to uh, itself to being evidence is being collected from here in suitcases as I see it. Uh, those two suitcases, they're full of material which the forensic team believes can work as evidence uh, in this particular blast case. Also a police van which was parked here, a company of policemen that is 32 policemen which includes an inspector, sub-inspector, several head constables and constable were on duty and during about uh, at about 10.40 or 10.46 to a.m. to be precise the explosion was heard and a huge impact indeed because people living two streets away across away this is the 13th cross somebody living on the 12th cross heard the impact of the blast the noise in fact uh, I have with me a young lady you live across the street right yes. here tell us what you saw what you heard uh, it was at 10.30 in the morning uh, the impact was too huge the sound was too large and I thought it was a transformer burst, but then glass pieces started flying towards me, and that's when I realized it must have been a bomb. And a bomb blast. Yeah. Right. And then much later, you said that police came to even retrieve pieces of the motorcycle which flew to your house. Yes. We found three pieces of the motorcycle uh, on our staircase, on the other side of the house, and on this side of the house. Right. And it must have been a, st a state of shock for you for minutes. Yes, for hours, because I was expecting another something to happen. and. Also, there are a lot of what-ifs because if I come to buy milk or if my father was taking his vehicle out, we could have easily been injured because the impact is really large. So, we were very scared for a long time. Certainly. In fact, this particular area where we are standing, this has been completely sanitized and cleaned. However, a uh, few hours after the uh, few hours back, in fact, uh, after the blast, it was a carpet of glass, which, uh, which was uh, broken glass, in fact, which came from uh, rear uh, glass of vehicles which were parked right here from vehicles there itself and of course from window panes considering several buildings have seen or have been damaged because of this particular blast which uh, the central ministry home ministry has confirmed has been IEDs which were used but uh, the device which was used to trigger off or to explode the particular bomb which was kept atop a, a, a suspicious uh, a motorcycle which is suspected to have come from Hyderabad which had a TN registration, a Tamil Nadu registration which after all turned out to be fake considering the Tamil Nadu police and the RTO have confirmed that that particular number plate on the motorcycle has been fake. The CCTV footage is being monitored. The CCTV footage which was placed outside the BJP office just diagonally opposite where a lot of activity was expected, political activity to be precise considering election is the elections for the state is on the 5th of May and that's when several leaders uh, in fact post 11 a.m. were meant to file their nominations including incidentally the Home Minister as well as the Deputy Chief Minister are Ashok. Radhika Ayer from the site of the blast in Maleshwaram in Bangalore with Govind Murthy for NDTV. And let's just look uh, more at uh, the location in Maleshwaram. Now, of course, this blast happened right outside the BGP headquarters. This is a residential and crowded area. And interestingly, there are three major temples on this road. Sai Baba Temple, the Lakshmi Narasimha Swami Temple, the Sri Gangama Devi Temple, all very famous. And there was also a huge contingent of police here, 32 policemen on duty. That's why most of the injured are policemen. There are 11. They were there for security. So again, Questions being raised on the policing, the fact that we had so many policemen here, yet this happened. Basically, uh, the CCTV footage evidence so far shows a man parking that bike on which the explosion happened and literally just walking off under the nose of all these policemen. Again, interesting similarities to Hyderabad because, again, it took place, uh, the Hyderabad blast took place in a crowded residential area, again, very near a famous temple there. So, what exactly was the motive behind these blasts and why is it that our politicians always seem to fall into the same old trap of the worst kind 
of political cynicism. Joining me for more on that, I'm joined by Dinesh Kundu Rao, the president of the Bangalore City Congress, also an MLA. I'm also joined by Harish Bajur, a member of the Bangalore Political Action Committee. With me in the Delhi studio is Ashok Malik, a senior journalist. Mr. Uh, Mr. Dinesh uh, Gundura, over to you first. This, of course, in the middle of a hectic election campaign, political temperatures running high. But is this the time for such an insensitive statement to have come from a Congress leader? In fact, not even a statement, but a tweet. And uh, Shaquille Ahmed, rather than apologizing, followed it up by trying to justify it. He then said that, look, uh, the state home minister, Arashok, said that BGP workers were targeted. So this shows that they're trying to claim political mileage. Do you condemn this statement? No, I don't think we should make any such irresponsible statements because terror has got no religion or party or language or any caste. So whoever is trying to do this is trying to create tension and insecurity in Karnataka. So trying to attribute it uh, for the benefit of A, political party or B, political parties, I think something which is not done. I think we've got to be very responsible over here. We've got to be very careful about what kind of statements we make. It should not be provocative. And, you know, it shouldn't be... Uh, uh, that we are trying to use it for our own use or s someone else's use. So I think, uh, I don't think we should make such kind of statements. Something has happened, <coughs> it needs to be investigated properly and people who are responsible need to be booked. So that is the main focus. Law and order, security is the, the responsibility of every government, of every political party. So I don't think, you know, we should try and uh, exaggerate or, you know, make uh, statements which, you know, create uh, more disturbance or more tension amongst the people. A strong statement there and a, and a welcome statement really. Uh, Harish Bajur, if you can come in on this point, as a citizen of Bangalore, as someone who is trying to create an alternative uh, front in a sense of concerned voters, concerned citizens to come together, the impact that an ordinary citizen feels when a blast like this happens, luckily again nobody has been seriously injured, but it could have been much worse. The impact and the need also I think for calm at a time like this, do you think that gets undercut? by the kind of statements you heard today, though of course Mr. Gundurao has spoken out strongly, but there seem to be so many different voices emerging, it just adds to the confusion. Uh, Sonia, this has certainly been a very sad and frenetic day for Bangalore and the Bangalorean at large. Uh, statements such as these, which emanate from the political leadership across the spectrum, whether it be, you know, political party of one colour or the other, is absolutely unwelcome. Because as far as the citizen is concerned, this is an attack on the citizen at large. And anybody who tries to politically capitalize upon it is doing a very, very wrong thing. I think what happened this morning with the comment that came out was that, you know, people flew off on their Twitter handle and uh, the gentleman wrote something of this kind. And that's what's happening today. Politicians in any case uh, think, uh, you know, after they talk. But in the era of Twitter, they, they think uh, many, many days after they talk. <laughs> and I think, you know, that's the disease that has hit us on this. I think the instant comment uh, really which comes up on that is Shok Malik, but the point, the harder question that when we get obsessed with politics with the kind of one-upmanship on sound bites or twi uh, tweets as it were, do we ignore the hard questions on policing? Because the fact is uh, Hyderabad before that Pune, there are many larger questions on what's causing these kind of blasts which remain unanswered and in that sense whether it's state governments, whether it's the central government, why aren't we asking those questions? Why are, are those not the debates really which we focus on? You know, what surprised me about Mr. Shakil Ahmed's statement today was that uh, the BJP is in power in Bangalore and in Karnataka. And he could easily have said, what has the BJP government done to make Bangalore secure? Which would have been a very valid question today. Because if there's well, a they could have turned around and said, what did you do in Hyderabad? The, I no, mean, you know, so, so that would enough, have gone but, on. But today, we're talking about Bangalore. But the statement he made was in just such poor taste. Uh, that it, it, it took the, you know, it gave the BJP an upper hand, in fact, and the, you know, our office gets attacked <coughs> and this is what you turn around and say. It mm -hmm. was just in, in very poor taste. There is the larger question of, of uh, terrorism, of course, which is an ongoing story. I mean, I'd say things today are much better than they were in, say, 2009 or 2008, 2008 and 2007, mm -hmm. just before the, the Mumbai attacks, when there was practically a bombing a month, mm -hmm. Ahmedabad, uh, Hyderabad, uh, uh, Jaipur, if you remember, Delhi right here in, mm -hmm. in, uh, this, in near the studio. Uh, I think things are much better today for a variety of reasons. I think uh, to some degree we have to thank Mr. Chidamaram at the Home Ministry. To some degree we have to thank the Gujarat police for cracking the Indian Mujahideen. Uh, to some degree various police forces in the states, whether it's Maharashtra or, or, or Karnataka, have become a little more sort of active and a little more alert. But very obviously we should try and prevent every single case of uh, every single terror attack and 
we cannot prevent every single terror attack. But that is a larger and more sober question to ask. But uh, our politicians, as Mr. Bijur said, they, they react instantly and they lose sense of proportion between what is an ordinary theft and what is a terror attack. And the worry also, and uh, this I'd like to ask uh, Mr. Dinesh Kundu Rao, also the worry also that this is a sensitive time in Karnataka. We know elections are on. There have, there have been various issues that have come up earlier that at this time, what is the impact that an attack like this can have unless there is a great deal of calm maturity exhibited by all political leaders? Is this timing, do, are you concerned about the timing and do you think in a sense it was aimed at the election process as well? No, no, we don't know exactly what is who, who are the people behind this attack mm -hmm. and what is their intentions. But it's happening at a time when we are going in for polls, just 15 days to go for, 20 days to go for elections. So definitely it's a very sensitive time right now. And I think political parties uh, trying to use it for their own benefit will definitely be, will rebound on them because I think people will see through all this because people have seen uh, enough number of things happening in this country and, uh, you know, uh, uh, trying to capitalize it for your own selfish gains will not, I think, work out uh, in the, mi in the uh, minds of the people. So I don't think anybody should try that, first of all. Second thing is, uh, what I'd like to say is Bangalore, definitely I think we've seen a deterioration in law and order over here. I'm not trying to make it a political issue just because I'm in Congress and we have a BJP government, but we've seen, you know, deterioration in the policing in Bangalore, the kind of officers being posted has, you know, uh, not been up to the mark. And you know we've had so many that's, crimes that's, and that's murders taking place, and people are getting arrested. Any opposition so party MLA would make, uh, sir, usually when it comes yeah, to government. Yeah, I don't think I can say any opposition MLA been, would say he's happy with the uh, postings of policemen or the law and order when there's an, uh, when when he's in opposition. But there is definitely a deterioration in the policing in Bangalore. You know, there is no doubt about that. You know, so many good officers have been, you know, sent out to different uh, places, to, uh, postings. Good people have not been given uh, the right, uh, uh, you know, positions. So, th I think ultimately security is one of the number one priorities of any government. And uh, today, well, if uh, the government is we not really doing, uh, the BJP spokesperson is it, meant to join us. I hope to get him up to actually. At the same time, yes. No, I hope you know about this allegation. But let me just ask uh, <coughs> Harish Pajur because I think uh, part of the reason why the Bangalore Political Action Committee was also formed was to get the concerns of ordinary citizens back on the agenda of political parties. And in a sense, do you think this is this is a key concern? Law and order, this whole issue of uh, terror, and a certain cynicism about which party is going to be serious about tackling it? You know, I think law and order is a serious issue. Uh, the security of women is a serious issue. The care of children is a serious issue. If you really look at it, you know, I do believe each of these need to be addressed very, very squarely. But, you know, if this kind of a terror attack had happened in any other city, I would be very concerned about the way society would get polarized. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of Bangalore City, uh, Sonia, is that we are a very, very, I mean, I call ourselves a busy bale bath. To the uninitiated, Bisi Balebath is a Kanadiga's khichdi. Mm -hmm. uh, only thing is it's far tastier than the ordinary khichdi. And because we're a mixed society, we have people from 26 different nationalities living peacefully out here. Our religious spectrum is very, very broad spectrum. And there's a great degree of peace. Uh, issues such as these do not polarize Bangalore society. When issues come up like this, Bangalore, the citizen of Bangalore at large stands together and there is no pointing you versus me. Mm -hmm. Essentially, it's only the politician and a very small number of politicians, maybe, you know, the uninformed, misinformed, totally misguided politician who tries to gain from it. But at large, I do not believe this is an issue that polarizes Bangalore society. Ashok Malik, uh, you want to come Two in. things here. <coughs> While Mr. Bijur has paid tribute to his city and it's a, it's a very valid tribute, <coughs> the spirit of Mumbai or Bombay or the spirit of Bangalore, which is invoked after each <coughs> terrorist attack, is no substitute for the security of Bombay or the security of yes. Bangalore. And uh, right. unfortunately, our politicians, and Mr. Shakil Emma today demonstrated it, and so do politicians of other parties mm -hmm. as well, they don't show seriousness about this by trivializing such issues, such attacks, almost immediately after they happen. I'd like to go back to 2005 when uh, the July bombings happened in uh, London. Mm -hmm. I still remember the sh uh, BBC interviewing the shadow uh, Home Secretary, who was a, the Labour Party was in power then, and the Conservative Party had uh, the shadow cabinet. And the shadow Conservative Secretary was uh, interviewed by a journalist on television and asked, uh, "Was this an intelligence failure or a security failure?" Mm -hmm. And he said, "I have many questions to ask my government." Note, he said, "My government." Mm -hmm. But I will not give our enemies the satisfaction of having us squabble on such a day. I will leave that for another day. I'd love to see an Indian politician say that. 
And of course, uh, you've also got uh, uh, just uh, on Monday, Boston, on Wednesday, Bangalore. And in that sense, uh, you have the seen... Comparison is he, there for all to see. And no, and you have seen 11 of calm, I think, also not just in politicians, but in the media as well, because Absolutely. there's no, I think, uh, speculation on who's behind it, who's done also, it, also et cetera, yet. Also in the police. If the police doesn't know something, the London Police Commissioner in 2005 and the Boston Police Chief actually said, I don't know. If they don't know, they don't know. Here they give you four names and say they've escaped to Bangladesh or they've escaped across the LOC or there's this group or that group. Mm -hmm. The police comes up with 30 theories saying we knew this yesterday. But what uh, what is perhaps a more serious issue is the fact that even after Hyderabad, we heard this whole uh, talk about there will be uh, the National Counter Terrorism Center will be set up. This was uh, Mr. Chidambaram's dream child. It hasn't happened yet. Are we any closer to actually seeing a unified approach uh, to counter terrorism across uh, states? Uh, do you think that's going to happen, Mr. Gundura, where the point Ashok Malik made about political squabbling, whichever party comes from, it's come from the Congress, it comes from the BGP, it comes from X. The worry is that the ordinary citizen sees political squabbling when you would like to see a unified approach towards uh, fighting terror. That's not happening yet and the BGP is going to target uh, the government for being soft on terror. Rajnath saying the BGP president today said that, look, this is part of the UPA's policy of uh, going soft on terror. That's why on not being able to track down sleeper cells, that's why this has happened. No, see, I, uh, the thing is, UPA has been recommending, like you said, Mr. Chidambaram is recommending a national counter-terrorism uh, center. Unfortunately, it's, even that has got politicized. Definitely, uh, we require coordination between various agencies. We need some sort of a body which, uh, when <coughs> such kind of incidents take place, that they can immediately come into action and coordinate each and everyone. And this, this should be a free flow of information. So unfortunately, everything in India no, seems Mr. to get, you know, the center bears some blame because first uh, it was their own ally, the Trinamool, who blocked it. Then there's been some back and forth about the center also not being proactive in making the changes that were needed. No, no, allies also have, they also have their own role to play, and you know we can't force any ally to do anything uh, in the way we want them to do. You know, so it's not that they listen to each and everything that the Congress party wants them to do. So these are the problems of uh, running a coalition government and running uh, things in India. But at least now, I think the time has come for every political party to say that, okay, let's not give uh, terror any color or, or any sort of, uh, you know, uh, religious kind of tag. Let us come together. Let's work on this. And, you know, ultimately... Uh, people who are luckily for us today nobody was seriously injured in that sense nobody died but you know what if someone if 10 people had died today what would have happened and that could have become even more uh, highly you know provocative and in the election process that, that could have no, become even, even more sensitive no, I'm so really glad you said that come, I think, I'm really glad you said politics any color because of course we know that the Home Minister Mr. Shinde's controversial statement on saffron terror which he was forced to apologize for let me just go across to we finally managed to get our BGP guest up Prakash S who joins us from Karnataka Mr. Uh, if you can tell us sir what do you think the impact of this terror attack will now be. We've seen uh, the Congress MLA has raised some questions on policing and law and order in Karnataka, which he says is deteriorated, but he's also condemned the statements, uh, the tweets by Congress leader Shaquille Ahmed, who says that the BGP will benefit politically uh, from this attack outside their office. He's also, the Shaquille Ahmed, of course, also questioned uh, your Home Minister, Mr. Ashok, saying that why did he say BGP workers were being targeted? This is trying to gain sympathy with the elections next month. This is a bomb blast. Let us not politicize it. The bomb blast took place very close to our party office. When this incident took place, I was very much present in the office. Mm -hmm. I could feel the intensity of the blast. More than 17 people have been injured. Unfortunately, two PUC studying girls' legs are seriously damaged. This is an issue concerning the nation. We will not expect any electoral benefits out of this. National security, internal security, we should have a consensus by, by all the political parties. Today our opposition leader and an MP from Congress party has made a very <coughs> irresponsible remark accusing BJP yes. engineering this to benefit in the electoral mm -hmm. the coming elections. Mm -hmm. And one of the MP has went uh, to the extent of accusing RSS involvement in this blast. Several times in the past, Congress has made it a policy to accuse BJP or RSS for all these inc incidents and letting the real culprits go unpunished. 
That's this a valid is the point. I think they say that country. that for political uh, for political gain or whatever. That are we taking our eye away from the big picture? But I'm no, I'm happy that, that both of you have made the point that we should not politicize this incident, uh, etc. So I just want a, a final but words. But it's not just that the Congress has done such kind of statements. No, Mr. Kudu, because I did you, you, you had your chance to make the issue about law and order and policing, what have you learned, what have the police uh, commissioner, what have the poli uh, police sources told you, we know that CCTV footage says that there is a man who is shown parking the bike, any initial leads in the investigation so far, what have you learned, uh, sir, from the government? There were two cameras, CCTV cameras in mm -hmm. front of our, our party office and in front of the apartment which this bomb blast took place. Police have taken the footages of all those CCTV cameras. Mm -hmm. I am confident the culprits will be identified in the camera and they will be apprehended. The uh, immediate question is security of the people and the peace uh, and holding the election very peacefully in the coming days. I am sure the election commission, central election com commission will take note of it. They will deploy the police adequately and ensure the security of the people. Let's not politicize the issue. It so is Congress so final or words, BJP. So the BGP will not use this in the election campaign. The BGP will not use this uh, at all in the election campaign in Karnataka. No, no, no. You will definitely not use this as a political campaign at all. When certain 17 people have died, uh, I'm sorry, 17 people have injured, such an mm -hmm. incident has taken place. It is a cause for concern. Let's, it's not an issue of election issue at all. Great, that's, that's good to hear. As I said, let the politics not uh, divert focus on the policing. That's what's going to be the key questions and the key uh, focus of interest over the next uh, few days. Thank you all very much for joining me tonight. And of course, a nationwide alert also issued tonight after that uh, bomb blast in Bangalore. Thank you very much, Ashok Malik, Harish Pajur, Prakash S and Dinesh Kundurao for joining me. Let's just go across to the other big developing story we've been following and that of course is the whole controversy over the law minister's meeting with the CBI director over a status report into the coal scam to be given to the Supreme Court. We broke the story yesterday on the law minister having apparently made changes, making written changes in the report. Well, today, the government's coming out with its defense, but is it convincing? Shinawasan Jain, what do you have on that? Uh, you and Sunil Prabhu have been tracking that story. That's right, uh, Sonia. It's actually uh, fairly unprecedented that the government started off from when the Indian Express first broke the story with complete silence, mm -hmm. then actually claimed that they had, uh, at best, had some consultations on this entire report of uh, the CBI, the status report that is preparing for the Supreme Court on the coal scam. And now, as Sunil Prabhu is reporting, because he's had extended talks with uh, both uh, officials in the PMO as well as uh, senior uh, officials very close to the law minister, that it goes much beyond that, uh, Sunil, doesn't it? Where you've actually been uh, getting a sense of how extensive uh, the word that the PMO is using, the PMO sources, consultations have been between the CBI and uh, the Prime Minister's office as well as also with the Prime Minister's office claiming that there were modifications made to that status report, but these were just grammatical corrections. Now, these are, of course, extremely uh, dubious claims to make because, remember, the CBI is investigating the government here, so there's a direct conflict of interest. What is it doing have, uh, with, uh, uh, with having all of these consultations? If we can go across uh, to Sunil Prabhu now, uh, if we are able to connect to him. Sunil, do, uh, do take us through uh, what you've heard from your sources in the PMO because it's for the first time, really, that we're getting the full extent. We've always known about uh, Mr. Ashwini Kumar's involvement in calling that meeting in his office. Uh, but now we're getting much more details about the PMO's own involvement. That's right, uh, 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 Srinivasan. And I think the points that they were trying to uh, emphasize uh, was uh, quite uh, clear. One, that this was not a one-off exercise. This was a consultation process that was continuous. It started right from the time when this uh, CBI was asked to, hand, uh, to handle the investigation into the allocation of the, of the uh, uh, coal sector. Uh, this was after the CAG's report uh, was placed in Parliament. The Prime Minister had made the statement. The CBI was asked to investigate. And that is why it was a continuous process. It was not a one-off incident. And uh, uh, the uh, PM officials uh, were quite categorical that it was only confined uh, to the process of coal allocation. About what were the processes, the act, 
the screening committees, how did they go about it? Because we must remember the Prime Minister was the coal minister for a substantial period of time when that allocation of coal uh, mines took place. And it is in that background that they were assisting the CBI in helping them understand the entire process, but at no stage. And they're quite categorical about this, Srinivasan, that they did try to influence uh, uh, the investigation or at, for that matter, uh, try to get into the alleged bad practices of any particular individual, be it uh, the Congress MP, uh, Mr. Darda or anybody else. They did not get into that, uh, into those uh, specifics. Uh, they had uh, very... This very is Sonia, that the interesting bit when you're saying that the, the defense at the Prime Minister's office and the law ministry is giving that, you know, that these are consultations. That, uh, I think the point that's being made is that how can you consult when there are two opposite sides? That this, in a sense, is... The defense and the prosecution, the CBI in this case is the prosecution, the government in the sense the defense. So how can you have prosecution and defense lawyers actually meeting? And we've seen the wording is interesting. We're seeing wording the law minister's enthusiasm uh, convinced him to call this meeting. The changes were only grammatical. Does this uh, make logical sense? Enthusiasm to call a meeting with the other side? Grammatical mistakes we, uh, to be corrected in a CBI report? Well, that's a question, Sonia, that will always be, uh, and of course, it would, the final verdict will come from the court on the 30th of April, once, of course, uh, the CBI clarifies, the CBI director is expected to give that affidavit on the 26th, and then, of course, the court will hear it, the Supreme Court, on the 30th yes. of April, uh, and, that, and that's the big question mark uh, that will, uh, with which the government will have to answer about the propriety of this entire exercise, but they are quite categorical. At no stage, that's from the government and from the uh, law ministry point of view, uh, that uh, did they try to influence this entire process? Uh, did they try to, uh, uh, at any stage, uh, try to influence the CBI on how to go about the entire processes of the malpractice? No, right. that was not their brief. Uh, they, they are quite categorical that whatever they did was in the best intense. Their intention was to ensure... So that's... That that's uh, the focus that defense said. Of course, interestingly, the parliament session begins on the 22nd. And uh, Srinivasan, the government likely to face uncomfortable questions there. I'm going to hand over to you now for your uh, interviews, really, on this burning issue. Again, on how two sides, how the prosecution and defense can actually consult on what their report should be to the Supreme Court. Because it's a larger question for everyone who's present in that meeting. The court can actually hold everyone in that meeting up. Exactly. Thanks very much indeed. Sonia, uh, well, yes, that absolutely is the case here that... Gradually, as the government has revealed the full extent of how much it has been engaging with the CBI on this particular coal scam report, demonstrates the extent to which the Chinese wall between an autonomous, independent investigating agency and the government has been gradually eroded, where it now appears that not just one, the law minister, but we've also seen uh, others who are on the other side of the fence, uh, which includes, of course, the attorney general who was present at that meeting, and also now the Prime Minister's office, which is technically under the CBI's ambit of investigation, all talking to the CBI, making changes to the report. And I'm sure the Supreme Court, uh, if it gets the full picture, will have very strong things to say about that. Let's now start uh, getting in some reactions uh, to this big breaking news on NDTV. Uh, we spoke a short while ago uh, to Solicitor General, former Solicitor General Harish Salve. Uh, sir, we had you on last night. And uh, today we have more details of the extent to which government sources are saying that there was not just consultations but actual grammatical changes were made in the report uh, this is again all euphemism that the government appears to be using is this completely unprecedented the uh, what, what worries me about the um, problem is uh, the institutional uh, yeah. breakdown as it were see cbi has been asked by the supreme court to conduct an inquiry to assist the Supreme Court. This is not the first time there are SITs which are appointed from time to time. The special investigation teams conduct investigation. Whenever the court directs somebody to investigate and give a report in a sealed cover, it goes straight from that body or authority to the court. So there is no occasion for the government or anybody else for that to have a look at what is being handed over. Right. And, uh, you know, the thing is that now uh, we obviously earlier had reported on the law minister's own uh, role. But now tonight, as you've seen, we've also mentioned the extent to which the PMO was also meeting the CBI. They've repeatedly used this euphemism consultation. But what does consultation mean? Isn't the CBI technically questioning or interrogating uh, the PMO? The, the, the key issue is 
was the CBI asking them questions which it legitimately could to build up its report and to gather material for its report. You may, you may not want to say interrogate at this stage, you may say the CBI was interviewing them. If, you, if somebody is wrongly using the word consulting, because the word consulting is to arrive at a consensus for a decision. If the correct word should be if the CBI was interviewing the Prime Minister's office, asking them for explanations to put in its report, to present a balanced report prior to or in the course of preparing its report. That is one matter. But to say that after the report is prepared, it goes back and is first by the seen by the eyes of somebody other than the Supreme Court. Yes. That is very worrying. Mr. Salve, what are the implications now for all those who are involved in this process of interference or tampering or whatever one calls it? What kind of action can the court take, if at all? Well, I don't, there are two or three separate dimensions of this. I'm reasonably certain the court will not take very kindly to the fact that the report has been discussed with anyone, particularly the government. Beyond that, I think an admonition by the Supreme Court is, is serious enough for the CBI. The second is, and this uh, uh, is the most serious issue in the matter. Today, there are at least half a dozen cases I know where people, including Mr. Prashant Bhushan, filing a number of PILs, says appoint an SIT, don't trust the CBI. They are under the control of the government. Now, up till now, the answer is no, they are India's premier, premium investigating agency. You have to have faith with them. They are independent of the government. If suddenly we find out that the perception of the government is that the CBI is their client and they are entitled to advise the CBI on how to present charge sheets and how to conduct investigations, it will feed the demand for SITs in all sensitive cases, which is the second more important fallout. And the third, of course, is whether there was a correct or an incorrect representation made to the court on the, on the course of the hearing. That right. has a completely different dimension. Right. Uh, last question to you, sir, is as a law officer. Now, you've been Solicitor General and uh, we've also reported, as you are aware, that the Attorney General himself was at this meeting with the Law Minister and the CBI Director, even though the Attorney General is on the other side of the fence. As I pointed out, he's actually representing the government. Now, in your time as Solicitor General, was this ever made as a request to you to attend such meetings? And were you, and should you have been in that position, what would you have done? Would you have attended? I think that's a, that's a very loaded question. All I can tell you is in the three years which I was in office, no such occasion arose. My law minister never asked me to come and visit him for any such matter. CBI has consulted us as lawyers at times where they felt a particular case in law was made out or not made out, never on the factual inquiries, never ever have any comments ever been asked for on what has been found by the CBI. So, it, it's a completely new culture, I'm sorry to say. Okay, completely new culture, you're saying uh, unconceivable in your time. Uh, well, it's been very, very difficult to try and get anybody from the Congress or the government on camera, on record, in response to this escalating controversy, the only person who seems to be fielded again and again is Rashid Alvi, uh, Rajya Sabha MP and spokesperson of the Congress. Uh, thanks very much indeed, sir, for joining us now. As uh, you may be aware that the government has gradually built up the amount of information available to us about the extent of their meetings. First, it was just the law minister. Now, we believe that the CBI uh, officials also met the prime minister's office. Isn't this direct interference and isn't this completely unacceptable? I am not aware about it, whether government is denying it or not denying it. But this is the fact. CBI works absolutely independently. There is no pressure on CBI. As everybody knows this fact, Supreme Court has already directed to CBI to file its affidavit. I think CBI is going to file its affidavit and everything will be clarified. Sir, but uh, quite apart from the affidavit, the fact that even while the status report was being prepared, PMO officials were meeting the CBI, law ministry officials were meeting the CBI, how can you justify this? I tell you, law minister, he is of course entitled to meet his officers. 
and if if law minister has asked to uh, cbi director to file an appeal or something cbi director there is no harm meeting with law, with law minister but how can you prove it even if director would have met with law minister how can you prove it that uh, uh, evidence has been tampered so that's something which uh, uh, we will uh, be able to prove once the cbi files its affidavit but are you justifying the law minister meeting the cbi because that sounds like that's what you're doing i tell you i tell you this is the process first of all i want to say i am not aware about it but i don't think there is any harm in this regard if anybody is meeting minister then you can't say that minister has called sir, him and uh, putting pressure sir, but the on cbi him. the cbi uh, is, a, is not so what, what cbi is the investigating the government isn't this a direct conflict of interest acha why should why should we we go into arguments they are going to file affidavit cbi is going to file affidavit before the supreme court investigation is being done under the supervision of supreme court whether bharatiya janata party doesn't have a confidence in uh, uh, supreme court if they don't have any confidence they don't trust supreme court they should come out with this statement that we don't trust supreme court investigation is being done investigation is being done sir under the supervision of supreme court sir, after after what we've seen uh, with the status report there's not too much faith about this affidavit as well but tell me is all of this being done are you conducting all these improprieties because you're worried that the coal scam will ultimately lead to the prime minister's office are you doing all of this to protect the prime minister not at all we are we are not worried we are not scared image of our prime minister is very high everybody knows this very fact that our prime minister is absolutely honest nobody can dare to make any allegation against prime minister i challenge bharatiya janata party they should come out to make any uh, allegation against prime minister they can't our prime minister is very honest prime minister of the country but do you at least even as you defend the prime minister do you at least concede that in his actions mr ashwini kumar the law minister as the prime minister's office now seems to indicate in his enthusiasm has embarrassed the government again i will repeat ashwini is also very honest person i i am not aware about it whether he has met director cbi or not but we should wait we should have little patience cbi is going to file affidavit and they will disclose everything all right uh, mr uh, rashid alvi you seem to have great faith in this affidavit but uh, as we've been reporting that this level of interference this level of engaging with the cbi once again leaves huge question marks over whether this affidavit will genuinely be able to tell us or tell the people of this country what really happened let's now thanks very much indeed let's now go across to another senior advocate who's also been a former law officer gopal subramaniam another former solicitor general he joins us on the program uh, sir we already heard harish salve there expressing his complete uh, shock at uh, all of uh, what is emerging in this particular story now same question to you is there any way of defending this business of the cbi director being called by the law minister and now also learning that pmo officials uh, were meeting the cbi well i mean we have to know the circumstances under which this meeting has taken place but i think if it's a question of uh, submitting a status report before the court then the director of the central bureau of investigation has to act completely independently he is not authorized in law and under vinith narayan's judgment to discuss the results of his investigation with anyone else uh, this is more so poignant when the investigation may be directed against people within the government so i think uh, i would say in the first instance a status report which needs to be submitted to court is completely a privileged document it is really the investigating agency and it is the director cbi because he happens to be the head 
of the organization responsible under the CBI manual and he therefore right. submits that report. Can I ask you sir, in your time as law officer, were you ever called to such a meeting where the law minister and the CBI director was present because the government seems to suggest that this is something which is a matter of course? Well, um, in my first stint as assistant solicitor, additional solicitor general of India, um, which lasted four years, I still remember that there were only four meetings which I had with the then law minister, which were completely formal meetings. And the law minister actually at that time never even suggested what stand had to be taken by me in any matter in the court. Uh, as far as the CBI is concerned, they would sometimes seek advice completely on an independent basis, but they would come call on me and they would elicit what was an appropriate course of action. But I would make it very clear that I would advise on questions of law and I would not really ever, ever advise on the course of an investigation. Right. Uh, it's good to get that clarity from you. Last question to you, the same question I put to Hari Salve, that if you were in the same position as the current Attorney General, would you have gone to such a meeting? Well, I mean, the present Attorney General, the additional Solicitors Generals are colleagues of mine and uh, they are entitled to their professional judgment. Yes, yes. No, if but you if, if you were in that position. Gopal Subramaniam, the answer is one unequivocal no. 100% equivocal no. Thanks very much indeed for being as direct as that, Gopal Subramaniam. So strong words there uh, from both former law officers on what they believe is a complete breach of propriety by the government. Well, uh, just a quick uh, programming reminder that you can watch more details of our investigation into all of this on Truth vs. Hype Saturday night at 10 o'clock. Coal scam, tampering with the evidence only on NDTV. Moving on now to another one of our stories. There's been shock after a local NCP leader's minor son in Aurangabad ran over a two-year-old girl. CCTV cameras have captured the grisly footage of the accident which shows the speeding car hitting the girl and other victims. The 17-year-old boy is now out on bail. Imtiaz Jalil has spoken to the girl's uncle who is also injured. Well, I have with me the uncle of the two-year-old girl who died in that tragic accident. Let's hear from him. Mujhe ye batayye ga ki subha subha ka vakht tha. Kahan ja rahe the aap bachiyon ko leke? Ham bawa ke mandir ja rahe the subha subha. Ghar se nikle wahan pe gaye. To beech mein road pe gaye. Wahan pe akbar pada. Baad mein aakar samne ga. Jawade ke baju mein wahan pe khade the. To udar se gadi aaye the. Wo gadi se cross hui. Thodi ne. ये हो गई जो वहाँ पे रुक गई सो गई और बाद में वो एकदम फास्ट आ गई और ये हमारी स्पीड वो सरन में वो चांस नहीं रहा इधर उधर हमें कुछ दोनों हाथ में दो बच्चे थे मेरे और छोटी बच्ची जगह पर ही खत्म हो जाती छोटी बच्ची ये सहमत ही तो मैंने उसको उठाया मैं रोने का मैं जगह पे हो गई बाद the pressure on the BJP is building to declare its prime ministerial candidate from its allies. The latest such ally is the Shiv Sena, which in a strongly worded editorial in its party mouthpiece Samna says that the BJP's inability to declare their candidate is becoming a world record in embarrassment. From a party with differences to an alliance with differences, the issue rocking their boat, who will be their prime ministerial candidate and when should it be announced? Time is running out for BJP President Rajnath Singh, especially after the latest face-off with an old ally, the Shiv Sena. In a sharp statement, the party has said in its newspaper, it'll be a world record if the NDA breaks up over the issue of a candidate for Prime Minister. There are several Prime Ministerial candidates within the NDA. The NDA parties will decide who will be their candidate for Prime Minister. जिसमें बीजेपी हो जिसमें शिवसेना जनता दल यूनाइटेड और नीतीश कुमार जी खुद रहे उसमें मैं समझता हूं कि बहुत सारी ऐसी चीजें होती हैं कि उनकी पब्लिक करने की कोई आवश्यकता नहीं होती इतना मैं जरूर कह सकता हूं
This comes just days after Nitish Kumar publicly and bluntly made it known that Narendra Modi is unacceptable as the candidate for Prime Minister for not containing the Gujarat riots. लेकिन अगर कोई पब्लिक ऑर्डर की समस्या है लॉ ऑर्डर की समस्या होगी तो वो जिम्मेवारी राज्यों की रहती है उम्मीदवार तुम्हारा और पसंद हमारा ये तो आप हमें अधिकार भी दे रहे हैं और हमें निर्णय का भी अधिकार दीजिए भारतीय जनता पार्टी कभी नहीं चाहेगी कि कोई भी एल हमसे टूट कर अलग Then there's resentment over Modi and the BJP president in praising what they refer to as the Gujarat model of development. Once upon a time, Gujarat was the gateway to the globe. राज्य का GDP बढ़ रहा है। मध्य प्रदेश में जो development हो रहा है, वो देश के सामने जाए। इस ground reality को कोई नकार नहीं सकता, इसे नकारना भी नहीं चाहिए। बहुत ही popular हैं और उनका performance भी बहुत अच्छा रहा। and if the BJP is reluctant to name its prime ministerial candidate, it's for very good reason, factionalism. While many in the party believe that Modi is the most acceptable to the rank and file, others say that leaders like Sushma Swaraj, Arun Jaitley, Rajnath Singh or even LK Advani may be more acceptable to those outside. If the BJP wants to send a true signal for women's empowerment, they should declare you as the prime ministerial candidate. <laughs> I think you missed you missed something. My party president was sitting here. You should yes. have said this before him. I am a candidate. I am a candidate. I am a candidate. But just how much of the differences will be addressed is unclear. Rajnath Singh has said he will address Nitish Kumar's objections after the Karnataka results in early May. BJP President Rajnath Singh accepted the treasures within the party and also said that the crisis is unfortunate. He also appealed to his allies not to speak in public. But by saying that Narendra Modi is the best performing chief minister, something which Nitish Kumar and Sivraj Singh Chauhan do not agree with, certainly are the fault lines now going to sharpen. In New Delhi with Rahul Srivastav, Ket Kiangre, Fendi TV. And before we end, we leave you with images of uh, the funeral of Margaret Thatcher attended by leaders from around the world. From all of us here on the India Decides team, good night.